words, they told me that they were suspending me under clause 9.1. to ensure financial stability amid rising costs of everyday living. Now to tell us more about family finance. In today's world, listeners are complex and multidimensional, and it's a little cumbersome to toggle back and forth from channel to channel trying to get your fix. We feel your podcast should be just as diverse as you. Welcome to Fred Talks, where the topics are as layered and multifaceted as you are with a dash of inspiration and a little bit of an edge. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Fred Talks, a catalyst for crucial conversations for the culture. I'm your host, Fred B. And in the previous episode, episode two to be exact, we caught up with the Afro whisperer, Calvis Williamson, and we talked at length about her role as a dope doula, the rich history of doulas, and her journey into that space. And during that combo, we just caught a vibe, you know? And we went with the flow, and that flow resulted in a two-hour conversation, maybe a little bit more, which meant that I had to chop the episode up into two pieces, lest you be overwhelmed with all that goodness in just one setting. So today, we continue the conversation, and we get into her role as trap herbalist, bubble maker, food warrior, and we talk a little bit about what it means to be 100% frotastic. If you haven't listened to part one, do yourself a favor and check that episode out. But if you're all caught up, then after these ground rules, we'll pick up where we left off. You dig? This probably doesn't need to be said. But of course, we're going to say it anyway. The views and opinions expressed on Fred Talks podcast are not to be misconstrued as professional advice, counsel, gospel, a personal attack, law, guarantees, a substitution for hardware, a one-size-fits-all formula for every scenario, or any type of promise. It's a podcast, y'all. Come on. You know you need to consult a credentialed professional before making a hasty or significant change with your life. Don't you? Don't you? Of course you do. Now, be encouraged by the show. Be entertained by the show. Be challenged to cross-examine some of your long-held beliefs. Note, the host and his guests have strong views held loosely. Being committed to lifelong learning means that the perspectives may change in light of information. That's not contradiction. That's evolution. So please, don't come for us unless we send for you. Now that we have an understanding, let's get back to today's episode of Fred Talks. Unpack the name and then proceed from there if you can. Um, I, you know, again, a lot of what I do is birthright with black people. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. working with herbs, working with roots, you know, ginger and all this kind of stuff, you know, working, doing all that kind of stuff. Black people been doing that. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy because historically, that's all we had to rely on. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Indigenous populations, that's what they rely on. Yeah. You know, white people will travel to Brazil or the rainforest and see somebody using acai berries and now they're doing an extract, and now they're putting acai berry in all kind of cosmetics and everything, like it's just the next mm-hmm. best thing. And it's just right. like, yo, herbalism in itself is an indigenous practice. And mm-hmm. so a lot of it has to do with trying to bring that practice back to my community in a voice that will be accepted. It's one yeah. thing if I right. come to you Right. It's one thing yeah. if I come to you um, as 
a mainstream hippie with a grass with with a flower wreath on my head telling you that you need to you know drink chamomile tea to become to be calm it's another thing when you see me you know with my natural hair and I'm on a Facebook live saying listen right you you know you can take this, you can take that, you can take this, you can take that. And I'm coming to you with the authentic voice. Um, and so that's, that's one of the reasons why I identify myself as a trap herbalist. Um, because I'm, I'm really, one of, one of my biggest things with my brand, with the Apple Whisperer brand, is bringing these indigenous practices back to the community to let people know this was ours. This, this is ours. This is what we were doing. Um, but that was a journey in itself, Fred, because, you know, when you work for a school system, there's a particular voice, physical voice, but institutionalized voice that you have to present yourself in. And so it was a journey for me to break away from that. Exactly. You know, exactly. So with code switching, you know, I'm, you know, hi, I'm Calvis Williamson, and today we're talking about <laughs> curriculum development and blah, 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 blah. You know, because I have a bachelor's degree from the University of Florida in, in, in political science. My master's degree is in educational leadership. And so um, I have, yes, and so I have, um, I have a postgraduate, uh, postgraduate work uh, with Walden University. I was going to get my doctoral degree in, in um, industrial and organizational psychology. I stopped that process, um, did a coursework, but it's just the politics of the dissertation chair that led me to research uh, natural medicine programs. And so now I'm working on a doctoral degree in traditional naturopathy. And so uh, I, it's I, I just... Beg, I beg your pardon? I beg your pardon? Traditional what? You naturopathy? Like, like, like I know what that means. Come on now. Okay, so naturopathy, naturopathy <laughs> is healing the body. It's healing your body with nutrition, herbs, natural natural methods. It's like an integrated approach with, you know, energy healing, with herbalism, nutritional practices, lifestyle change, that kind of thing. So that's okay. what I'm getting my doctoral degree in now. Um, and so I had to come to grips with, and, and this was one of the re- this was one of the defining moments of me. Yo, you got to quit your job. Because I can't, I can't talk as, I could not talk as explicitly as I needed to talk and direct yeah. as I needed yeah. to talk to my community if I'm worried about my school system job. You, you know feel what? me? Um, so, uh, go ahead. I, um, I remember not too long ago, I was telling my wife, uh, there was a client I had, um, there was a client, so, so one of the things that I do is uh, I go and I train uh, I, I'm a training consultant, right? So I've been in the learning development spaces and sometimes we'll go to a client uh, and we'll, we'll train their new hires or continuing education or whatever the case may be, leadership, or whatever, or I'll do a web, okay. a, a web, a web course. Like I'll be at the house, you know, so I had a tie on and everything, but I had a basketball shorts on the bottom. Anyway. Right. <laughs> but, um, but, but people underestimate how taxing it can be sometimes and working in corporate America, even when you, you, you got the quote unquote position and you got some leverage because you have to put on, um, in that type of environment. Yes. And the truth, the truth is you cannot put on for 40 hours a week and expect that on the weekends, you're going to be able to switch back into your authentic self. Like 
Exactly. You become what you practice. And it won't be long before you start acting like a frog. And I, and I hate to say it because I know people are going to consume this podcast and I'm not taking shots to anybody. I'm talking about the conversation I had to have with my wife. Like, yo, being in this space, it, it, it's taking a toll. And, and thank God, you know, I was able to sw- switch lanes. But right. Sorry. Sorry. No, no, no. So it was just that, it, it, you know, having that authentic, me deciding to, to be my authentic self, me being, you know, it's like, yes, I, I have, Formal education, but I'm not gonna wear that on my sleeve. And mm-hmm. you know, to be able to just talk like I talk, you know, mm-hmm. physically or what you hear, I'm southern, and that's how I want to, you know, enunciate my words. And then just mm-hmm. the things that I'm saying, the platforms mm-hmm. that I'm saying, what I want to say, who I'm talking to, being able to talk to my audience, that to me, um, you know, just having that voice. So yep. Trap Herbalist, it is a catchy, it's a catchy moniker, mm-hmm. but it is weighted. It is, it's, it's very weighted for me, and it, it represents what I'm trying to do, and that's really to, to reach the black community, to be, to be healthy and to, you know, to go back to those indigenous practices. Now, I do want to interject and say, that I do, you know, with I am a I am a natural health practitioner. However, I do value the allopathic medical community, and so I'm not one of those 100% herbalists. We can cure stage four cancer, you know, with this herbal blend. That's not me. Now you got some that's out there. That's not me. I don't come to me with that kind of stuff. I don't have no kind of if. Now I will tell you, go ahead and go through your chemotherapy. Go ahead and go through radiation. Once you've been cleared and you're now in remission, now come talk to me so we can we can supplement your health and support your health, you know, to make sure that you yeah. don't have another crisis. That's where I am. I work hand-in-hand with allopathic medicine. Um, yes, but I don't have, listen, I'm not, I'm not Dr. Sebi or none of these <laughs> other ones that's running around trying to be Dr. Sebi. I'm not on that level. That's, okay. not, that's okay. not me. That's not my, well, I won't say level. That's not my lane. That's not line. Now you have people who are very confident in doing that, I, I, but that's not me. So okay. if you need a 100% and you want a 100% herbal, you know, regimen to mm-hmm. cure you of cancer, do not come to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's not me. Are there certain herbs? Well, here's the thing. As an herbalist, I, I've seen you market your products and I, I, I've also seen you say, uh-huh. hey man, these these sold out quicker than, or the response, the, the demand was higher than I anticipated. Uh, what are some of your um, most sought after herbs? Either most sought after, or even in your personal regimen, what are the herbs you rely on more often than others? Just some of your top, um, your top five. Um, I I went to a um, I went to a training. I think it was around May, May or June or something like that. But I went to a grandmother wisdom class and became acquainted with astrologist, astrologist roots. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're, if you're familiar with like a saxophone or a clarinet, you know, there's a reed part that sticks into the mouthpiece that allows yeah. you to play the instrument. Okay. So astrologist root looks like that. And I, it's one of my favorite herbs. Um, I use it personally for my, whenever I make a soup, 
or a healing broth or anything like that, I always throw in some astragalus root because it infuses into the soup. You just uh, you just take the pieces out once it's done. Um, but it's an immune system booster. I love it. Um, it's just it's just a very it's it's very healing. You can even chew on it if you want because um, it has a slight really? sweet taste. So I really love astragalus root. Um, it's just a really it's just a really good herb to help uh, boost your immune system. Um, I am I've always worked with calendula, which is a wonderful herb for like help with like scar reduction. Very gentle on babies. Um, so I love calendula. I love working with calendula. Recently started really picking up working with rosemary. Um, a lot of healing properties, in particular with people who are having like uh, surgeries. Okay. Um, it's just a wonderful antibacterial property. I love working with rosemary because it helps with healing uh, surgery incisions. So I have a post-surgical serum that I make. Um, I originally made it for my moms who were having C-sections. But now, you know, I'm getting those cancer patients. You know, I've had a mastectomy and I need something, you know, to help with the scarring and to, to protect yeah. the, the incision area. You know, that thing. So I have a new, I have a newfound appreciation for rosemary. Okay. Um, that's now, becoming rosemary. one of my favorite. Now, forget, pardon my ignorance with this, but rosemary is often used as ground covering too, right? Just from a landscaping perspective, right? It's, it's and it kind of takes over the flower bed, right? As like yes. a blue, light so it can blue be very, it can, it can be very aggressive. So you always, you you always pot it. It needs to be in a pot. Okay. Like rosemary and peppermint will take over <laughs> if if it's not contained. Yeah, they grow. You know, they're very resilient and they will grow. You know, they'll grow. Okay. Um, okay. Have a new appreciation for. Um, and I, and I just started really working with this herb in the last within the last year, um, hibiscus, mm-hmm. uh, particularly with people who are going through chemotherapy because it's, it's high in vitamin C, so it's um, it helps protect the immune system without working against chemotherapy. So a lot of times because when people are going through chemotherapy, is used to suppress it, right? To suppress your immune right. system, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, yes. So you know, if you're on if you're on chemotherapy, then your immune system has to be suppressed so that the body won't react uh, negatively against the chemotherapy. Well, vitamin C can help with your immune system without strengthening your mm. immune system. You know, if yeah, so wow. so that's really good, and it also helps with. Um, just as a soother for people who are going through chemotherapy, it's very soothing to the stomach. Okay. So hibiscus. So I make a chemo comfort um, elixir that's similar to uh, sorrel tea. That's that's really popular in the Caribbean. Um, but I make it into a tincture form to help people, and it just helps them help them feel better with like energy mm. and stuff like that. And then um, my last um, one isn't necessarily an herb. It's, a, it's an essential oil, um, okay. jasmine essential oil. Um, I have okay. really grown to appreciate jasmine essential oil. I'm not big on florals, um, mm-hmm. floral scents. I really don't care for them, but it's, but it's 
Jasmine's um, is just a very feminine, um, very feminine essential oil. And so um, I'm really learning to really love the properties of that. It's, traditionally, historically, it's an aphrodisiac or it's a drawing, like a drawing fragrance. When women put it on, it's a drawing fragrance. It's that underlying fragrance, uh, underlying scent note in a lot of perfumes and stuff that makes that makes a man's head turn like, ooh, what she got on? Hey. You know, that kind of hey. thing. So it's very, yeah, so Jasmine is very, very powerful and just learning more about um, the spiritual aspect of Jasmine um, has made me learn to appreciate it even more. So those are my five. Those are my top five. Man, so you have given so much game already. I mean, I can't even call <laughs> not really knowing too much about doulas and you sure I could have done my Googles before, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to spoil the spoil, you know, the interview hearing it. I wanted to maintain my level of curiosity, you know, but you just gotcha. really walked me through that space. And I feel like, I mean, obviously I, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent. Like there's still more, more to know, but I feel like, okay, I could, I could hold a conversation. And then the gems you just dropped about some of these herbs and their healing properties, you, you just added so much value. Um, so, Thank you. Thank you so much for that part. My um, pleasure. Yeah. Let me see. I, I got some more that uh, some more I want to throw at you. Oh, we, we haven't talked about the food warrior. So what's okay. the food warrior? Okay. So um, 2014, let's see. No, it's 2019 right now. So, yeah. So 2000. 2014, uh, no, 2015, excuse me. Um, my mom, my mom has a, a very rare blood cancer. And so she had gone to, she had suffered another crisis. Um, she has ICP okay. and, um, it's a very rare blood cancer to where her blood platelets, her white blood cells attack her blood platelets. Okay. Um, and so it's different from being a hemophiliac to where, you know, with a hemophiliac, they have to be cut or hit, and then they, they don't, they, it's hard to stop the bleeding. Well, with, in this case, the white blood cells attack the platelets, so it's not clotting at all. And so, you know, it's just a lot of internal bleeding going on. And then, of course, it's out, you know, she was bleeding out. Okay. And so, um, but anyway, she had had a, a, another crisis back in two. 2015, um, and I was just trying to figure what out a way. Well, we all need to get healthy. We all need to get healthier, and you know. So I'm just researching, researching, researching. They said her, her, her eating. Or, you know, her condition is autoimmune, autoimmune condition. So that's why I said I typed in diets for autoimmune conditions, and mm-hmm. what came up was the uh, autoimmune or the AI paleo plan, which essentially moves. Right. So that takes out nightshades. So like tomatoes, potatoes, mm-hmm. peppers, mm-hmm. turmeric, um, because if you have an autoimmune condition, you don't want things like, which is really funny because people, well, let me just back up. You know, people will say, oh, I'm sick and da, da, da. take some ginger. Ah, it's not that simple. You need to know what's wrong, what's going on with people. You know what I'm saying? So um, with that being said, yeah, yeah uh, some of these groups, well, anyway, I ain't going to talk about nobody. But, um, <laughs> but so 
you know, essentially it takes out the it takes out nightshades, grains, um, you know, gluten, all that kind of stuff. And so yeah. she went on that. <clears throat> um, it's a ninety. It's not you. You do AI paleo for ninety days, and then if you want to incorporate the nightshades back after the ninety days, you can. Um, but what happens? She does prednisone steroid treatment. Um. She doesn't really do the chemo because the chemo, she didn't respond to chemo. So they do prednisone whenever she has a, a, a crisis. So, you know, she has to go back on the steroids and all that kind of stuff. Well, anytime she's on the steroids, it, it induces um, medical diabetes because it raises your, you know, the steroids will raise your blood sugar and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, um, of course, they were putting her back on the diabetic medication and just a lot of stuff. And I said, well, Ma, yeah. you know, this is the AI. This, this is what I found. Let's just try it. She was like, okay, I'm going to try it. Well, oh, my goodness, at the end of the 90 days, they took her off of her diabetes medicine because it wow. induced, sometimes prednisone can induce type 2 diabetes. They mm. took her off of the, the, all of her diabetic medicine, um, the medicine for diabetes. Um, her blood platelets were still being sustained. Like they just took like all of those medications, like it just came off. It, it just, yeah. you know, she, she had, she came off of all of that. And so I was like, Whoa, okay. Yeah. So there really is something to this eating thing. So I'm like, okay, well, this is when I was becoming more conscious, you know, and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And, uh, and um, I'm like, okay, but I would really like to have something that w- would be more culturally relevant. And so mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, I'm like just doing like general searches on Pinterest and I yeah. stumble across the African um, heritage and health eating plan. Mm-hmm. And so just through researching yeah. that, I ended up becoming um uh, an instructor for a volunteer instructor for them, and so and now I'm an ambassador, a health ambassador with that organization. So I teach um, culturally relevant eating plans to the black community, and it's just it's a food pyramid, and it and it mirrors how we ate prior to slavery. Right, and right. Um, it also shows the similarities between all of the black, um, all of the African diaspora uh, subcultures, like in the Caribbean and in Latin America and in the American mm-hmm. South, it shows the similarities that we have. And it shows mm-hmm. just the, um, how all of the black diaspora um, cultures are connected. Mm-hmm. And it's really, and it, so I really, you know, that's really the plan that I have my family on, the African Heritage and Health Plan. Um, yeah. my mom and my dad, they still do the AI paleo. Um, it works really well for them. I have my family on the African, um, heritage and health program because it is a little bit more lenient. Um, it's like, you know, yes, have your fried chicken, have your fried fish, you can have your sweets for, for holidays and celebrations, but for the most part, plant-based. Okay. I remember so that's we how about that. And you alluded to that. Yeah, yeah. Connecting the dots. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, and okay. I've tried, I've actually tried, um, for, I was, I was vegan for about a year. Um, okay. 
yeah, I was vegan for about a year, and now I'm I've relaxed, and I I tell people that I'm I prim- I'm primarily plant based. Mm-hmm. Um, I do incorporate fish and some red meat, like during uh you know that time of the month because it just helps with my iron and 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 that yeah. kind of thing. So I've had to make some adjustments. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to consuming uh, meat, I do it during that time of the month and it just helps me feel a lot better. So I've had to make yeah. some, you know, relaxing adjustments, make, make those adjustments um, based on just being able to feel better and having more energy during that time. And then there's those things like real butter. I just can't get down with the vegan butter. So I, I have to have like the <laughs> real, but like, I, you know, listen, no tea, no shade, but I'm just saying yeah. like, I have to have like real butter. I, I don't know what it is. It's just like what that part. But I, I mean, make sure. But I culture it. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I make cultured butter. So okay. the probiotics are in it. So it's like mm-hmm. that's how I justify it. It's like okay, okay, it's not just regular butter. It's it's either Amish butter or I'll make uh, probiotic butter for us to consume. Hey, whatever. But that's how I justify it in my mind. Yes, yes. But I was like, okay, Earth Smart or Earth Phone, whatever it's called. I cannot, Mm -hmm. I just cannot. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah, so when I say Food Warrior, so there's, so so those are those personal experiences. And then it's just, I want people to eat real food. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just want people to eat real food. And so, while eating a hamburger is just kind of like, yo, it takes forever for it to process. Like, don't do it. Yeah. But if you are going to do it, go to like Five Guys or Steak and Shake. Don't go to McDonald's. Like, if you're going to eat unhealthy, at least make sure that it's real. But, okay, what about, you know, food deserts are real. Uh, food I mean, what do food deserts are very weird. So, I, yeah, so that was my next thing. So, you know, I want people to eat more plants and vegetables, you know, fruits and vegetables, plants. Like, that's really where your diet needs to be with, you know, as far as the foundation of what, what you're doing. Plants, plants, mm-hmm. plants, plants, plants. Um, and then if you do eat meat and stuff, incorporate meat into your diet, then it needs to be real food, like real food. But then, again from a systemic and an institutional racism point of view, food deserts in the black community. Oh my gosh. I can find a, I can find a hood seafood joint. I can find a fried chicken joint. I can find a liquor store. I can find a convenience store that sells only like all this processed stuff. You can't find an apple or banana in it, but doggone it. You're not going to find no grocery store. And if it is a grocery sure, store, right? it's one of the low. Yeah. Yes. Like and if it is a No, I was going to say, if it is a grocery store, it's like, oh, my God, third world nation up in this piece. What is going yeah. on? Like, yeah. so food deserts are just, oh, my gosh. Um, that's, why I try to, that's why I try to encourage people you know, listen, you don't have to have a, a huge farm or anything. You can just have a potted thing, a, a small pot of tomatoes that you grow. 
or a yeah. small pot of something, you know, using, you know, grow some fresh herbs or grow, you know, just grow a little bit of something um, just to break that up. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's, it's so funny. We, 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 we're concerned about wars and Syria and all these kind of stuff. And it's just like, yo, it's people being killed every day because of all these preservatives in these, in the food that they yep. that they have access to. That's chemical yep. warfare. Y'all talking about chemical Agent Orange war. from Vietnam. This is Agent, mm-hmm. this is chemical warfare. Listen, I'm gonna tell you this, mm-hmm. Fred. Mm-hmm. So the grocery industry, FDA, and it has to do with food psychology. Mm-hmm. People thinking that they doing something when they when they buy foods that it says, oh, it uses kosher salt. Mm-hmm. Do you know that food company brands, they have found out that using kosher salt in their food makes you more addicted to their product because of the crystal structure of kosher salt. The crystalline mm-hmm. structure of kosher salt is hollow. So that means that it's going to create more saliva in the mouth. And so mm-hmm. that's going to, that triggers, that triggers you psychologically. Yo, I want this as opposed to that. Yeah. I want this brand. So whenever you see kosher salt, you know, people thinking this is Holy Ghost, you know, this is a Holy Ghost snack <laughs> right here because they see it with kosher salt. No, no, no. <laughs> You being thrown right into the fire of furnace, eating that with that kosher salt. It's a, a whole psychological thing. Then I was watching this um, webinar on C-SPAN. Uh, it was, a, it was a, a food conference on C-SPAN. And just realizing the psychological um, methods and just the, you know, what they do to, to market to kids. You know, yeah. the, you know, the version of 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 um, the lunchable that a kid might receive in school is not the same version that's in the grocery store. So typically, mm-hmm. what happens is because you know schools, a lot of schools are regulated to where they can only sell stuff with this amount of sodium, da da da, da all that kind of stuff. So right. what companies have done, for example, like Lunchables, they sell. They sell a version of Lunchable in the schools mm-hmm. that might have less fat and less sodium, but the Lunchables in the grocery stores have higher amounts of those additives and all that kind of stuff. But the parent is thinking, and the kid, they all they do, the children, they just recognize it from school, so that's what they want. Yeah. All yeah. the while, you know, they're not knowing that yeah. it's different nutritional, you know, properties from what they're allowed to purchase at school as to what they're allowed to, to purchase in, mm. you know, the grocery store. And so, you know, your typical parent is going to be like, well, if they're allowed to buy a Lunchable in the school, then the one here in the grocery store, that's just, you know, it's the same thing. Right. So it's just right. a lot that, you know, just with trying to help people, educate people about what we're feeding our kids and, you know, what we're feeding our families. That's why I say food warrior because, um, yeah. it makes sense. you know, that's, exactly. yeah, that's just like, that's just the crux of, you know, of your daily life. Everybody's going to eat. Everybody's going to eat. Man. It's, uh, 
it's, it's disheartening. I mean, you're, you, I mean, I knew about the food deserts, right? And I knew about warfare through food. But mm-hmm. uh, you're just really reiterating how insidious it is, though. You know, it's, it's enough to make you enraged, like, all the time. Or it's enough to make you a food warrior. Like, you can be upset and just be sitting in your feelings, or you can take action, like, like you've done. Uh, right. And, that, and that's why I love that's why I love sites like Pinterest, because it's like if you are a parent and you and you want to make those better food choices for your kids, you know, and if you can afford. And that's another thing, you know, if you can afford to send your kid, you know, your child to school with a packed lunch, Pinterest and YouTube, they have all these, you know, healthy lunch ideas and all that kind of stuff to kind of to empower people to be able to make those choices. Yeah. So I don't I don't want to um, I don't want to be too intrusive and um, uh-huh. I, I'm just going to ask the question you can always decline. What kind of lunch okay. would you? What, let's say for tomorrow, what would your kids be taking to school tomorrow in their lunch? So um, my four year old he is in VPK, okay. and so which is the universal preschool. Mm. Well, here in Florida, here in Florida, every four year old. Goes can go to school for free, regardless of income, oh, background, really? or whatever. Yeah, really? yeah. So we have that here in Florida. Yeah, you know it's so funny when I tell people that from out of town. I'm like, oh yeah, because my my little one, he's a VBK, and they're like, what is that? And I'm like, right. it's Universal Preschool, and they was like, uh uh-uh, uh, what is that? I'm like, oh y'all ain't got that. <laughs> so here in Florida, you know, regardless of your um, regardless of your background, you can. <clears throat> your your child can go to uh, preschool for that whole entire year before kindergarten for free. I could have used that. I could have used that. Man. <laughs> it's wonderful because we were paying for him to go like a couple of days a week, and it was still like four hundred dollars a month. Like it was like oh, so I was so yeah. glad when VPK came because I was like, yay, free school. Yeah. Um, so they seventeen months apart. So I mean, I, man, I was writing them checks. Man. Yes. Yes. Okay. So anyway, Bubba, anyway. my so my four year old. So Bubba, my four year old. He doesn't take his. He doesn't take his lunch to school. Um, because she does like balanced breakfast, balanced lunch, and and snacks and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So she does like his his teacher because he actually goes to a um VPK school. His teacher, um, she's very good about balanced lunches and all that kind of stuff. And as a matter of fact, I remember asking him the first day he went, I was like, so, Bubba, how was, you know, how was your lunch? Oh, Mommy, we had ham and we had, I mean, it was like a full, like, dinner. I'm like, what? Yeah, what? You know? And I'm like, what was it like, lunch meat? Yeah, I'm like, what was it like, lunch? He was like, no, ma'am. It was like meat, meat, mommy. So like she like <laughs> so shout out to Tyler Town, saying Dennis yeah. Boring, uh, that's cool. But yeah, so they get like balanced. She he he gets like balanced breakfast and lunch when he goes. Um, okay. Now my little one, she's home with me, um, me and her dad. <clears throat> so she will get um, usually like eggs in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and we usually put like spinach in it. Okay. So she'll she'll get like eggs and spinach for breakfast. Um, typically for snacks, she does some type of fruit. 
Um, she likes avocado, which is like people are like, oh, she eats avocado. I'm like, yeah, she eats avocado. So she likes eating, you know, her strawberries and avocado, that kind of thing. Um, for a snack, lunch with Miss Amelia is is kind of tricky because she is, for the most part, vegetarian. Okay. She does not care for meat at all. That's she, She's two. Yes. <laughs> it, it is so all funny. Right. But she's two. Um, she doesn't care for meat. Okay. So we do a lot of, like, I do, like, brown rice and quinoa. Um, she'll eat sauteed spinach, you know, as long as they're seasoned, you know, bless, bless her heart. They have to be seasoned, but she, she loves sweet potatoes. She does that kind of stuff. Um, she's a stream bean, but the girl can eat. And then at night, um, she, she pretty much times is like, she, she mirrors mommy, you know, so anything like she likes her, her soups and, um, you know, pasta with, you know, yeah. with, with the with the vegetable sauces and stuff like that. So she eats, um, but she's she's for the most part vegetarian. Okay. okay. And that's and that's just her. That's just that's just her. You know. And now her brother, on the other hand, my. We interrupt this episode to express our gratitude for your listenership. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a regular listener, we want to deepen our connection. There are a few ways to do that. First, make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And of course, chances are that if you like the show, your friends will too. So be sure to post, share, and repost on all of your social media outlets. Also, don't be shy. Connect with Fred B on Twitter using the handle at Fred Talks, spelled Fred T-A-L-X. After you've completed those two steps, visit the Patreon page at patreon.com slash Fred Talks. Remember, Talks is spelled T-A-L-X. And check out the multitude of ways for you to support. Lastly, if you enjoy the podcast version of Fred Talks, imagine how electric a live Fred Talks session would be. Sure, recordings are great, but... When it comes to value, there are some intangibles that require you to be in a live setting to get full impact. The goal is to begin online via the podcast and ultimately take the sessions offline to do the real work of providing solution-oriented motivational sessions to impact current and emerging leaders of all ages. To get more information about hosting a live Fred Talk session for your staff, students, members, send an inquiry to fredtalks at mail.com to get the conversation started. That's all for now. Let's get you back to the show. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to hear a little bit if you could kind of give me the abridged version of what that process was like because you're also a person of faith. So yeah. how, what role did your faith play into that? Um, debunk at least one myth people have about entrepreneurship. And, um, man, I got so many other questions. I don't want to rush it. If I could chop it up into two, we're going to just have to do that. So, so talk to that first. Okay, cool. But, you talked about how do you want to, how do you want Yeah. Did, did God say, did, did God? (laughs) 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 Well, you actually kind of alluded to it. You talked about how exacerbated it could be, you know, with the code switching and all that stuff. So probably came to a point where you're like, you know what? I got to get up out of here. 
And then the calling, like it kind of called you out of that. So you did allude to that a little bit, but uh, was faith a component as well of, as the frustrations that you saw as, as well as you empathizing, you know, with other people, et cetera, et cetera? What was faith any? Um, so here's the thing. Um, my faith walk has probably gotten stronger over the last week. <laughs> okay. This past week, like this past okay. week, is is like you know, yeah, uh, yeah, like <laughs> yesterday, like they before last, you know, that yeah. that kind of that kind of uh, reset. Um, so here's the thing, you know, me me going full time into doing entrepreneurship has been probably a fight the last four mm-hmm. years, last three years, four mm-hmm. years. Um, okay. the first inclination was. I had applied for a promotion and I knew I was going to get that promotion. And I was mm-hmm. so confident. I was so confident that I was going to get that promotion that I told God, Lord, if it's in your will, bless me with that, with this promotion. Cause I knew I was going to get it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's why I stepped to him like that. <laughs> like, Lord, you know, if it's your will, cause I knew that it was his will for me to get this promotion. Uh-huh. And then I uh-huh. didn't get the promotion. I did not get it. And then I had to, right. And so the the wind was knocked out of me. Mm -hmm. It was, it was like, I had like a physical, like, oh, oh, in my stomach that I didn't get the position. And so that occurred, um, just the whole thing of, Yo, you didn't get the promotion, but we need you to train the person who got the promotion. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And then it was like, we want you to train him. And then, yeah, we want you to to basically, like, be his right-hand person. Oh. Yeah. And so the last three years of my career, that's the state that I was in. I was, I was. This, it was just constant, just aggravating, frustrating, just because three years, I'm still holding on to this, I should, have, I should be in this damn position. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so it was just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Um, I ended up getting cut from my department and moved to another department. Um, it was just a series of things that happened. And then I had started this past summer you know, I felt like the Lord was really dealing with me. And it was more so like, you know, I'm, I'm shutting this door, you know, but you were supposed to go ahead and resign, not, not take the, 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 the new offer that they was, that they gave you, you know, you were supposed to resign. I didn't want you to transfer, you know, you, you failed that test, but I, I, I said, well, I'm going to stay on this job because, you know, I'm going to stay on this job. You know, yeah. that's the security. You know, my husband has his has his business, but for the most part, I was staying up because I had the better insurance. You know, all these mm-hmm. all these security things. You know, what about right, my children? Right. All that kind of stuff. And so, it, honestly, it had come to a point where the Lord told me, you know, it would be really something if something were to happen to one of your kids or to happen to your husband, and you had to leave your job. Then, like, you really had to leave your job because you was gonna have to take care of them. 24-7. That was a that was like this overreaching, like, 
oh my gosh, that's really where a lot of the conflict started coming. I was like, yo, my kids are my crutch. Yeah. But I don't want to quit, but I don't want to be in a position where I have to quit because I'm saying, I'm staying because of the babies and God is telling me, yo, you better leave so that you can have the life that you want to have with your babies. You know what I'm saying? Um, You know, that kind of thing. And And I'll go back to my dad, to the example with my dad, you know, when he decided to leave his job to turn that crack house into a learning center, my mother was livid. She was livid, livid, because she said she had went to college to avoid places like that. And now you want to take me and my children into that environment every day. And so, right. And so she kicked against it. She was not for it at all. She Mm -hmm. was not for it. She didn't want to quit her job to help my dad. She didn't want to do none of that. And I tell you, you know, some people may think this is a crazy perspective to have, but this is certainly her perspective. Like, if you talk to my mom about it, she'll tell you, if I was obedient, I would not have, I would not have had to go through the health issues that I've had to go through. Because mm. she ended up having to leave her job because of her health. Mm. And that forced her to be full-time working with my dad. You know what I'm saying? So I'm thinking in my yeah, mind, yeah. yo, I know what my I know what my crutch <laughs> is, and I'm like, uh-huh. yo, I'm really not trying to have nothing happen to my kids. But it was it was a struggle. It was like a two or three year struggle. Um, so I ended up like I said, get comfortable then. I mean, one the way they never you, you couldn't get comfortable with that. But even the internal conflict, like I know I'm not supposed to be here. Like so, you clocking in right at the beginning of your shift. But I'm like, clocking in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We'd say, we'd get to work. Listen, I would get to work on time and just be in the lobby. <laughs> Coworkers coming in. Hey, Calvin. Hey. Look at me like, you coming back? I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm going to be back there eventually. Right, right. Oh. You know, it was that kind of thing. So, you know, it was just it was just crazy. But anyway, this last school year, I was cut from my department. They transferred me to another department. I had taken half of the summer. I took the second half of the summer off, and I was banging out with Afro Whisper. Like I was, I mean, I, custom order requests were coming in. Um, my I was I was getting ready to do my certification birth to become a doula. So, you know, I was doing my doula thing. I'm doing custom orders. You know, I'm doing herbal remedies. I'm just banging it out all July. And then the first week of August comes and I have to go back to work. And you already done tasted it now. Yeah. And I've I've had that behavior. It was just, yeah, I was just, I was banging it out. And what would happen is before, and let me rewind you know, what would happen is, um, you know, during Christmas break, during spring break, during the summer, I would do Afro Whisper full time. Build, I would build up my momentum, but then when I had to go back to work, then it would die down. Production would die down. All this kind of stuff would die down. And it was just something magical about this past July. 
you know, like I said, I was just banging. I mean, I was just doing Apple Whisper stuff. Um, I, I didn't have a set Facebook Live schedule, but, you know, I was just, you know, I was going live. I mean, it was just, it was beautiful. I was home with both of my children. I was home with my husband. You know, I'm just boom, 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 grinding out, grinding out, grinding out. And then, like I said, first week of August comes, is that teacher plan a week. Mm-hmm. That's that's what's coming up. Yeah, and I'm standing in the I'm standing in the kitchen and I'm washing dishes. Will comes in the kitchen and was like, "Hey, what's up?" Or he came to ask me something, and I mm-hmm. stood there and I literally had a breakdown. Yeah, I said, "I'm phony. I'm a fraud. I be telling people about, you know." doing things on faith and I'm sitting here mm. finna go back to a job and I'm just totally disregarding the Apple Whisperer mm. and like I was just going I was down like for three days like I had a complete you know, meltdown like shut down but that's, but that's real life and that's not the over yeah. story that's it is a, it's not a linear journey sometimes you know what I mean like that's that's part of it Some you gotta get to that point I, I bet nobody can talk you to going back now like you, you didn't sing too much, you know. Like you, you have overwhelming, right. you have a preponderance. Yeah, yeah. You, wow. Okay, go on. I'm sorry. I'm I'm, a, I'm excited about. No, you good. You good. So I literally, I just had a breakdown. Three days, I was in a funk. I was just, it was just, I couldn't really function. Um, I and I just kept saying, I'm a fraud. People, you know, people are believing in me, and I'm sitting here. I'm afraid to quit and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just crying, 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 crying. I was like, I cannot quit my job. We cannot afford to quit my job, for me to quit my job. And my husband said, well, here's the thing. We can't afford for you not to quit because you're at a point now where if you don't quit, you, Apple Whisper is never going to take off. Mm, it's not, it's not, it's not going to. And so I was just like, oh my gosh. So what I did was, what I decided was, I wasn't going to quit right away. I told them that I would stay for a month. September 4th was my last day with the school system here. So September 5th was my first day of being an entrepreneur full time. Congratulations. Thank you. What was the, what was behind the month? What were you hoping to see or to accomplish? Or was that going to, you were going to give yourself a way to back out? What, what was, what was behind the month? Uh, well, it was, uh, they were revamping, the department that I went to was the Young Parent Program. I spent 16 years in um, working with alternative programs for my school district. So we handled, the, we handled the educational services at the jails, at the juvenile correctional facility, and at the uh, juvenile uh, detention center. So I worked for the school system, but those were the schools that we, that we handled. So that's where I was um, the majority of my career, the 16 years of my career was in correctional education. Okay. So, you know, teaching in jails and then doing curriculum support and training and stuff in those schools, in those environments. So when my position was um, cut, I was transferred to the Young Parent Program. Which was the it was just the parent the the teen parent program. Mm-hmm. So you know, of course, I mean, you know, maybe it's convenient. I don't know. I have my speculations about why I was transferred there. Honestly, I really feel like because they found out that I had completed my dual certification. Oh, we're gonna transfer mm-hmm. over here. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, of the pregnant yeah. girls and all that kind of stuff. So 
I, the program was being revamped and I was like, okay, I'm going to at least be there for a month, set up lesson plans, set up the electronic grade book, set up who, you know, just so that whoever gets hired, my replacement, that was stuff that they weren't going to have to deal with. And so that's why I stayed for a month, you know, um, that's, that's why I stayed for that month. Plus I wanted to work that, that Monday uh, and get paid for uh, Labor Day. <laughs> so, so I stayed. I wanted to get paid for Labor Day, so I stayed. Man, <laughs> so that's why I stayed for that month. You know, I want to leave on a, on a good note. You know what I'm saying? I didn't yeah. want to be like, yo, I ain't showing up. Y'all going to have to find, yeah. you know, another teacher to facilitate, you know, childbirth mm-hmm. education. Um, yeah. Y'all gonna have to do that. So, I, you know, I wanted to leave on a good note. Just and that's just personally. You know, my husband was like, you know, tell him the, 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 the you know, choice word. And I'm like, no, I'm not gonna do that. You know, I'm gonna leave right. the way it's comfortable for me. So that's what I. That's why I did that. Um, but yeah, it was it was a choice of going back and forth, internal conflict for about two or three years, really. Um, before I made that leap, and it was not a leap of faith. I, I do want to reiterate mm. that me making mm. that leap. Um, it's very romantic to be like, "Ooh, she made a leap of faith." It was not. It was not. Even when I turned in that letter of resignation, I was just like, "I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Why the hell yeah. am I resigning from a job yeah. of 16 years? Like, what am I doing?" Like, like Calvin, do not give this lady. Yeah, like, don't give this lady this letter, and I'm handing her the letter. Like, don't do it, girl. You know, so it was definitely not a leap of faith. It was more so a leap of, I'm tired of being miserable. And 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 it's the difference. And I think it's something that's very important that I need to uh, point out because, you know, I don't want people to think, oh, my God, you know, I I was prayed up, and I was speaking in tongues, and... Yeah. I had this spiritual epiphany. No, right. I made this choice in the middle of a mental breakdown because that's just how much of a toll it had taken on me. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I wasn't right, enjoying right. work anymore. Right. And so it was just like, oh, my God. And then it was like, oh, my God, girl, you said you quit your job because of a mental breakdown. You weren't in your right mind. Go tell yeah. them people you don't want to quit. <laughs> You weren't in your yeah. right mind, Calvin. They'll understand. Go back and get yeah. your job. And it was still yeah. like, no, because nah, I ain't going to do it. I'm not going to yeah. do it. So, um, wow. has it been liberating? Has it been liberating? Yes. I'm enjoying being home with my daughter because that's something that I miss with my son. Um, I was home with my son for three months. Um, but you know, I missed out on a lot of the daily little nuances that he has, you know, growing up to where he is as a four year old. Whereas with Amelia, I'm, I'm getting to see her little quirks and, you know, just little daily stuff that I laugh about, you know, I'm reclaiming that, that, that part. Um, so I, I'm enjoying motherhood. It is liberating. But it is a test of faith. It is a test of faith. I can't tell yeah. you how many times I done fired myself and, and said, <laughs> I don't work for me no more. 
and I'm finna go get me a job. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times. You know, I can't tell you how many times I done applied for some jobs and then I had to reset. I done, I was like, Lord Jesus, let me, oh, Lord, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That kind yeah. of thing. So it's been, it's still been a, it's still a work in progress. I'll say that. But you wouldn't be happy, though. Would, would, is that fair to say? At least in this season. Now, that may come another season where, okay, this has run the course. It's accomplished what it was supposed to accomplish. And you might decide, I'm going to go back for another reason. But right now, in this season, would, would you, do you think that's fair to say, you know, you might take the job and it might even provide a sense of security, but you still wouldn't have the same level of fulfillment that you have right now? I would be a complete fraud. I, I'm one of those people. I, I'm one of those people that I, I'm really big on my reputation, and yeah. I'm really big on my word. Yeah. Um, and so it's twofold for me. First of all, personally, I wouldn't feel fulfilled. I wouldn't be fulfilled. I would be miserable. Second yeah. of all, because I do have a growing audience and I do have followers, mm-hmm. people feed off of me. And they feed off of what I say and they feed off of my example. And so I have people who are saying, Oh my God, I'm so motivated now. And it's like, Ooh, I gotta, I have to remain obedient. I have to remain obedient because there's other people who are going to decide, you know what? I'm going to start my catering business. I'm going to start my modeling agency. I'm going to start, you know, or I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to become a nurse. I'm going to become a teacher because, Calvin did this, and she obviously overcame some obstacles. So I know, you know what, I'm going to make this life change also. So it's just, it's a lot riding on me, staying true, and just grinding out, um, you know, personally. And then just because of the example that I've become, um, not by my choice, but it's just, that just kind of happened. And so I don't want to ever... I don't want people to ever think that I'm not being authentic. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, so yeah, it's twofold for me, you know, personal wise and, you know, because people are watching. And so it's very tempting to go back <laughs> just because I'm, yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm not type A, but I work well under type A uh, people. Condition. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, even though I was never in jail, I worked in jail for 16 years. So that mm-hmm. structure that I'm, I'm essentially, I was institutionalized either. I mean, as well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I, yeah. you know, I did 16 years. I, I was able to come home every day, but you know, essentially I did 16 years in jail because of the environment that I worked in. So I was very institutionalized, very policy driven, very, very statute driven, numbers driven. Yeah you know, hierarchy, this person, you know, that kind of, you know, just that, that structure. And so from leaving that to now it's like, okay, I'm going to make some salt today, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was just, it's just, it, yeah, it was just a very big, it's been a transition. I'll say that it's been a transition. So what I've had to do is I've had to institute my own life structure, yep. like daily structure. Like Sundays I'm off and I'm unplugged. Mondays is, you know, this. Tuesdays is this. You know, 
that I've had, and that's that's actually helping me like cope right. with entrepreneurship. Yeah. yeah, that's what's helping me yeah. cope with entrepreneurship. Yeah, that structure is. Uh huh. Giving yourself that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. Let me ask you this. Um, I'm I'm actually okay. interested to hear your answer on this. Um, Protastic. I imagine, obviously, that deals with hairstyle, hair products, and I would assume or presume that has something to do with you being unapologetically black and for, you know, the advancement of black people. Am I right in that assumption? So, basically, like, I just have a dope-ass pro, <laughs> and that's what I'm makes me 100%. <laughs> that's what makes me fantastic friend is not okay. you know <laughs> okay. where trap okay. herbalists trap herbalists have the, the deeper meaning 100 percent mm. fantastic is just because when i do wear my hair out it's like a dope ass but like i have a nice phone <laughs> so, okay. Okay. Right. so i hate to burst your bubble no it's not these mm. i just have okay. a nice phone I but I am, unapo- I am unapologetic. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to exegete the whole name and pull out the Greek and Hebrew. No, Chad. No, we don't need it broken down. We don't need it broken down in the in the Hebrew and the Greek. No, it's just I have a nice phone. That's it. Right. Okay. okay. <laughs> That's well, it. I was going to ask you. But I will say. Okay, go ahead. But I. But what I was going to say is. Um, I started out as the Quaff Cafe. That was my first brand name, the Quaff Cafe. And then I switched over to the Afro Whisperer because, um, you know, I was dealing mostly with just, that was, you know, I was dealing with the hair care stuff um, before all this lifestyle brand stuff kind of evolved. So initially it was just hair stuff, but Mm -hmm. my brand has evolved into addressing the needs of black people in general. So after Whisper, there there is your deeper there go your deeper uh, uh, <laughs> explanation right there, Free. Okay. Right there. Okay. Okay. So That's okay. That gives me a good place to pivot to this the other question I wanted to ask. So okay. um you had your demographic, you had your products and the people you're servicing. Um why do you think there aren't more there's clearly a need. There's clearly a market why do you think uh, we are not taking up more space in the beauty supply industry? Like, it just does not make sense. And it's an enigma to me. So what am I not getting? And, and that's not me. Are you talking as, as far as, like, distribution? Are you talking, like, as far as, like, the beauty supply stores and stuff like that? Yeah. 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 Um, you know, if, if there, are, there are several factors. One of the factors is there is a like a Korean buying block. Like there, that's an institution um, as far as being able to get things wholesale um, and open up these uh, supplies and all that kind of stuff. So there's there's that there is that issue. Another issue is just like with um, Arabs and whoever else wants to open up a convenience store or a gypsy store mm-hmm. in our neighborhoods with those loans. I mean, it's the same access that these, that the Asians have in opening those, these types of establishments in our communities. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's the access, you know, access to, to, um, 
you know, to supplies, access, I mean, hell, access to hair. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it's just, there's a lot of systemic things that are, that are barriers um, that are in place. Um, you know, the Korean, well, I, and I won't just say Korean. Well, I know that's who basically got the hair stores, Korean child, right? Okay, so. You, you said um, but, okay, but. <laughs> You know, they have that, they're, they are still able, when they come over here, they're still able to maintain their culture, yep. their traditions. Yep. And so that whole nucleus of them yep. being able to build a buying power mm-hmm. or to raise those funds in order to open up these establishments, whereas mm-hmm. black people, we are black people, but that was stripped away from us. So there's a lot of, you know, it's not just as simple as, Oh, black people just don't, you know, oh, we just not opening stores. There are generational and there are cultural dynamics. There's mm-hmm. institutions that, are, that are in place, yes, mm-hmm. that have blocked us. Now, yep. here's the thing. If segregation was still in into play right now, this is probably an issue that we would not have. Right. We would have black Ooh. beauty su- supply yeah. stores. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And so there's a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna go there. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of things that we would have to rely on ourselves for. Um, This is not an argument against or for integration or against or for segregation. It's just this is just reality. Yeah. They're in our neighborhoods. Yeah, they're in our neighborhoods because they can be. Mm Mhm. Yep. And they have access to our customers because they can. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, no, you know, no yeah, so, there, you know, it's, it is a larger systemic issue. Um, shout out to the people, to the black people that are opening, you know, BSSs, though. You know, shout yeah. out to y'all um, for being able to do that. Yeah. Man, um, this has been an amazing interview. I, it, it has not uh, disappointed my expectation. I was so looking forward to this, and it's everything that I thought it would be and more. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, God. Um, here, let's, let's just wrap it up before I start all over again. <laughs> um, well, you can always have me back on the show. I would love to. Child. I would love to. Yeah, I'll come back. I'll I'll come back. Because we got to talk, I mean, because we got to talk aside from your business. Now I just want to chop it up and talk, uh, talk politics. And I want to talk, you know, uh, sociology and all these different things. Because you didn't, you didn't, you didn't pique my interest in, you know, in, in that regard. So we'll, we'll come back. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about, we'll talk about deconstructing religious paradigms, all that stuff. Cool. That we sometimes talk about on, on Facebook and all that. But okay, I'll cool. be here right now. Uh, close this out by telling us. How how should we get in talk get in contact with you? Where should we be looking for you? What events are coming up? Um, how can we get your products? How can we support you? You know all that stuff. Go ahead and plug yourself. All righty. So I am the Afro Whisperer. My website is www.theafrowhisperer.com. You can follow me on um, Instagram at the Afro Whisperer. I have a Facebook page, the Afro Whisperer. Um, just cre- I just created a Pinterest account for the Afro Whisperer. So um, just, you know, subscribe to our emails. Uh, we're, we're creating that. 
where people can uh, subscribe to our emails and all that good stuff. Um, upcoming events so far in April, I will have uh, a cohort for the African Heritage and Health Program. It's a six-week program. Um, people come in. It's a live cooking demonstration. We go through all of the uh, food groups, and they learn about African diasporic uh, history as it relates to eating. Um, so that that's going to kick off April 13th uh, here in Ocala, um, and that coincides with Black um, Health Month, Black Health Awareness Month. Um, <clears throat> so, and so that's April what Black I have. Health Awareness Month. Yes, April is um, oh. Black Health Awareness. Yes. Okay. April is Black Health Awareness Month. Um, so I'll be doing some, you know, cooking. Um, that whole month for my live sessions will be devoted to Black Health Matters. Um, also, um, we've got new products coming out. Just, we have just a lot of things that we're developing. My husband is developing a men's line for the Afro Whisperer, mm. um, specifically for those bald brothers with beards. So he's a part of the bald beard gang. So he's going to be, (laughs) yeah, right. So Mm -hmm. he's going to be, he's developing that now, um, formulated, which is really, which is really neat because, um, you know, the thing about my husband is, uh, you know, at first sight, you wouldn't think that he would be into making soaps and all that kind of stuff, but he's actually very good at it. And he's actually, uh, what he's actually the primary mixer of our, uh, sugar fit hair shortening. He makes that. Um, I don't know. He he called himself trying to tell me what technique he uses to whip it, but it's a certain way that he does it that it's the consistency is just like lovely. So he's done that for the past three years with uh, our sugar fit hair shortening. Um, but um, but yeah. So we just have a lot of stuff in store. So y'all just follow us on on social media. Follow us on social media if you need to email me, AfroWhisper at gmail.com. Um, yeah, so. Wow. Man, you dropped some gems. Thank you so much. Uh, I look forward Thank to Thank you for having, having me. Back. This was wonderful. Absolutely. All right, well, uh, I know I've taken you away from your family for at least two hours, so. And just like that, it's a wrap. Another episode for the archives. Do you like it? Do you feel it, though? Did anything resonate with you? Did it motivate you? So now what? What are you going to do about it? What's your next move? Share your thoughts by emailing fredtalx at mail.com or connect on Twitter at fredtalks, spelled fredtalx. Tune in next time for some more gems.